following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. And uh, if you will look with me, excuse me, John 10. I'm sorry, John 10. Beginning in verse 39, John 10. And uh, looking at verse 39, here the Bible says, Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand, and they went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. And many believed on him. There again we're uh, going to wind up, really, if you will, our, our study of the Baptist and Christ, the Baptist and Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we look into thy word this morning, God, I thank you for those who are able to be with us today. And Father, I pray you'd be with those who could not be here this morning. I pray, Father, your blessing, your help on their lives, in their lives. I pray, Father, that uh, you would help us, Lord, at this time, during this time, as we consider uh, these things, again, the Baptist in Christ. And Father, we have a great heritage as Bible-believing Baptists, Father, to carry the truth of Christ to a lost and dying world as those who have gone before. I pray, God, that you'd help us, that you'd help me to preach, and Father, help us to hear, to understand, and by the grace of God, fulfill our responsibilities, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, the Baptist in Christ, and so far we've talked about, as we look here in verse 39, therefore again they sought to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. It was not uh, Christ's time yet to die. And... uh, uh, but uh, the Bible says in verse 40, and went away again and beyond Jordan to the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man or Christ were true, and many believed on him there. We've talked about the Baptist beginning, the Baptist message, and this morning, and lastly, we'll be talking about the Baptist mission. The Baptist mission. Now, in verse 42, we see the purpose, the the main purpose of uh, the Baptist church, the Baptist mission, if you will, in verse 42. And many believed on him there. You know what, folks, we're concerned, if you will. The purpose of the Baptist mission is the salvation of sinners. And and you know what, it's sometimes something we lose sight of. You know, sometimes we make so much out of church and, and the things we do down at the church and everything else that sometimes we lose sight of the great purpose uh, for our being here. You know, God could have saved us by his grace and taken us home to heaven shortly thereafter. But he's left us here, he's left us here for reason personally and collectively, and that is so that we'll reach out to folks as sinners in need of a Savior. John 1, again, John 1. <clears throat> And verse 5, John 1, beginning in verse 5. The Bible says, The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. We know that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, amen. And yet, oftentimes, they don't see and understand who Jesus Christ really is. It's amazing how many people, if you were to talk to them about Jesus Christ, you would find out how little they really know of him. You know, to to many, Jesus, oh, maybe he's the son of God. But what does that mean to them? What does that do for them? What if they even know that he is the light of the world? Do they comprehend what the light of the world was sent into this world for? Many don't. 
Many sit in, in services in churches around this nation and around the world, and they don't comprehend why Christ came in the first place. And yet, folks, it's our mission to help them to see that he came for a purpose. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. We're talking about salvation. Believing with all their heart in, in repentance, turning from sin to Christ, trusting him and him alone to save them, trusting in the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that shines out through his word and through his people and should from his church. We as Baptists should shine the light of Jesus Christ into a, a world of darkness that needs to be able to believe in the Lord. And he was not the light, that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. It's amazing sometimes how little knowledge people have of Christ and who he is and why he came. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave you power to become, become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, born of God, because they believe in the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. The great purpose of the church, Baptist missions, missionaries, all the things that we're involved with as a church, the main purpose is to reach a lost and dying world that often doesn't realize their own condition. You know, Jesus, as he hung on the cross of Calvary, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even when they sought to crucify Jesus Christ, the very Christ that had earlier in their lives had fed them, healed them, done so much good to them, now they had cried out because of religion, crying out for his crucifixion. And Jesus knew they didn't get it. They hadn't received him as the Lord and Savior. They didn't see him for who and what he was and why he came. They maybe in time would. I'm sure some of them that even were at his crucifixion, maybe in time to come, were saved by the grace of God because finally the light of understanding of, of the glorious gospel of Christ finally shined in their heart so that they might be saved. You know, if you're saved here today, it's not because you're smart. It has nothing to do with how smart we are. Now, some of us are smart Alex. We're not talking about that kind of smart, amen. Uh, it's not about how smart you are. It's about the goodness of God that gives us the ability to understand the gospel. If you will, takes the blinders off our eyes. If you will, enlightens our darkness so that we might be saved by the grace of God. In John 3, and looking at verse 16, John 3 and 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil." You know what, folks, the reality is, is that even when sometimes people comprehend Jesus Christ as the light of the world and the Savior of the world, still they will reject him because they don't want light, because they love darkness rather than light, because they would rather live in evil. 
You know, folks, to reject Jesus Christ is to choose darkness and evil over light and goodness. And that's just a fact. It's sad to me to imagine that as I've preached the light of God's word to people over the years, 24 years, that some have heard it time and time and time and time again and are still not saved. And are still not saved. And you know what? The Bible says, be care, beware. You know what, folks? Lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, sin deceives men into imagining that, you know what, uh, this isn't a problem. How many people we talk to today in our day, in our world today, that don't imagine that uh, things like cohabiting are sin? You know, they used to be against the law for two people to live together as if they were married people. Used to be against the law to commit sodomy. Used to be against the law to, to commit uh, adultery, uh, to, to get divorced. In this nation, it was against the law to do all these things and so many more. And yet now people are doing it with impunity. Like, whatever. Because men love darkness. And people are getting harder and harder the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the Bible says, because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. And that's a, I think that's in some sense of speaking to us as Christians. You know, you can't love God if you're not saved. And sometimes our love as Christians is growing cold. Our love for the Lord and the things that God loves, God loved the world. So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever liveth and, you know, and, and believeth in him should have eternal life. And yet, and yet, we've lost sight sometimes of our purpose for being. You know, it's, it's great to be saved by the grace of God. It's great to glory in God. It's great to glory in what we have to look forward to. But Christianity and Christ has never been selfish. It's never been selfish. It's always been selfless. You know, what we enjoy right now as Americans and as Christians, we enjoyed because of the selfless, selfless act of love in people willing to give their own lives. So that, now listen, so that those that would follow could have freedom as Americans and freedoms in Christ as Christians. Meaning they, you know what folks, I can't imagine, you know, reading, reading about the persecution that people went through for their faith. And sometimes over just the issue of baptism alone. Caused people to be put to death in, in, in heinous, grisly ways. And I don't want to describe them to you. But know this, that somebody was willing to do that. Some, mil, some 60 million Christian people, many of whom were Baptist, died so that the generations to come would have an opportunity to be saved. They understood one of the great purposes for our being. And that was to reach out to lost in dying world, Paul said, if you look at Romans 1 and 15, <clears throat> I 
Here the Bible says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that at Rome also. Now the gospel had already come to Rome, and yet Paul, you know what, everywhere he went, desired to preach the gospel to people. And you know, it's an amazing thing that even where he went to preach the gospel, and the gospel had already been named and preached to other people, still people got saved. You know, folks, I don't imagine for an instant that even in, in this smaller crowd this morning that everyone in this room is saved. I don't believe that. And we're going to talk about the gospel. We talk about the gospel of Christ regularly. And our hope and our prayer ought to always be when we come to the house of God that God would give me as the pastor liberty and, and the power of God would be here in such a way as to speak to people's hearts and reveal to them their condition. You know, I can't persuade, you know what, I can't, I can't say things perfectly enough for people to be saved. Sometimes I'm reminded regularly of my lack of ability to reach the human heart. We need God to work through his word to reach the hearts of men. And that requires, you know, that requires your input in terms of, at times, before, before we ever come to this place, that we're in prayer seeking God's grace and help and power so that when the gospel is preached, that those who are not saved can see it, see their condition, and be saved. It's amazing that even when Jesus preached, though, sometimes thousands of people went away unsaved by their own choice. And that was God in the flesh speaking. He says here in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul was ready to preach the gospel in 1 Corinthians 1 and 17. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 1 and 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, now, he's not saying that he never baptized or that it wasn't a part of his, his work as a preacher or as a missionary. He's, he's trying to get to the most important thing, and that was uh, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You know, there, <laughs> there are those, and, I, and I've, I see it from time to time. Sometimes people will visit church, and they're not used to preaching. And they'll sit down and, and suddenly I'll get up to begin to preach and teach the Word of God. And, you know, sometimes I'll watch a smirk come on the faces of people. Especially when I might get stirred up and, and be impassioned and emboldened to preach about a God we cannot see. About a Christ that we only know has come because the Bible says so. Amen. And people, people smile and they smirk and sometimes have 
really strange attitudes. It's foolishness to some people. I've had even some Christians tell me, you know what, preacher, you don't, you don't, don't, don't spend so much time in the Bible. I had one guy say years ago, you know, you know, you know he said, you, you give us too much scripture, uh, uh, give too much scripture to people, they're going to lose their faith. First time I, I thought, I, I, I must have, it must have seen it on my face, my jaw about dropped. Like, what? And he was a professed Christian. And um, I was talking recently to a young preacher who said that, you know, he's been around a preaching and some preaching where all they do is they get up and read one verse and tell story after story after story after story. And he's been himself a little, you know, upset because how can that be preaching? How is that rightly dividing the word of truth? How is that comparing spiritual things with spiritual? Now, I don't think you have to use as much scripture as I do to be right. But I want people to have their faith in the word of God and the God of the word, not me. Because I'm a man. You need to know what God says. Amen? Your faith needs to be in God and his word. 1 Timothy 1 and 12. 1 Timothy 1 and 12. The Bible says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus is come into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You know, folks, everywhere Paul went, he preached the gospel. He tried to call sinners to come to Christ in repentance and faith, to trust the grace and goodness of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, that's the real purpose Looking back to John 1, that's the real purpose of it. Let's look at it again. It's amazing how much information is in one portion of a verse, or one verse. <clears throat> Excuse me, John 10, I'm sorry. Boy, I'm hung up on John 1. John 10, and looking at verse 42. And many believed on him there. You know, <clears throat> when the Lord got away from the crowd, he went back to Jordan where John had first began to preach and baptize, and, and he began to talk to other people. You know what, folks? Uh, the, uh, the ministry of John was continuing in Christ, and the goal, the purpose of all of it in, in many respects was to help people to come to know our Lord Jesus Christ by grace through faith in him, to believe on him. The purpose is the salvation of sinners. You know, if we'd spent a lifetime... If we'd spent a lifetime as a church preaching the word of God, supporting that kind of ministry, and only one soul were saved, it would have been worth it all. And yet, we'll see more than that. Maybe we won't see as many as some places, some churches or whatever, but God placed us here as a church, as a lighthouse in a place in a city full of darkness, the darkness of religion the darkness of religion. Say, has the whole town lost? No. 
Are we the only ones preaching the gospel? No. But you know what, folks? If you want a straight gospel message, then we'd hope that when people come here, they get that. And that God could call uh, folks to salvation and, uh, and, and salvation. Folks, that's the purpose, one of the great purposes for our being, even now, even being here. What's the plan for accomplishing this purpose? Well, look at verses 41 and 42. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true, and many believed on him there. There is a plan for this. Look with me to excuse me, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Beginning in verse 1. Mark 1 beginning in verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Folks were baptized because of the remission of sins. Then that baptism pictures what, if you will, remits the debt of our sin. That's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's our first opportunity after we're saved to testify of the gospel of the grace of God and our receiving it by faith in Him. It goes on to say here, And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair. Boy, am I glad I don't have to wear a camel's hair suit. Say, preacher, they make, I don't know, do they make things like that, honey? Camel hair suit? I don't know. She doesn't know, it must not be. (laughs) But anyway, with a girdle of a skin about his loins and he did eat locust and wild honey. And preach, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed have baptized with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in, these, in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John and Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending, lighting upon him. And there came a voice from heaven, saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him, or Christ, into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness, forty days tempted of the devil, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him. Now after that John was put in prison, <clears throat> John Baptist, uh, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying the time was fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye, and believe the gospel. Now John was the forerunner of Christ, he came to prepare the way of the Lord's first coming to prepare a people for the Lord's first coming by preaching the gospel, baptizing the converts, even baptizing Christ who would then come and do a a greater work than that of John. Look with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And let's begin in verse 8. Romans 10, beginning in verse 8. But what, but what saith it? The Apostle Paul writing here to the church at Rome says, and not the Catholic Church, by the way, but what saith that the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. 
where there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, where the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a blessing that we have the message of the gospel and people can be saved. Look at verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? What an important thing to, to note and consider that God has used the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So God has to have a man and call men to preach the gospel, but it doesn't stop there. And how, verse 15, how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, folks, uh, there, has, there needs to be preachers. There needs to be those who are willing to go and preach the gospel to people all over the world. And there has been. From before, from the beginning of time, and there will be till the end of time. But God has a plan for communicating the gospel to a lost and dying world through men. In times past, God used the nation of Israel. God is using his church today. And Jesus Christ picked up the gauntlet from John Baptist and established something in Matthew 16. Look there with me. Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> And if you will, look with me to verse 13, and, and then under, excuse me, and when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Then, and they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. These folks, these young men were Baptists. Saved of the ministry of John the Baptist, baptized by John the Baptist, and now God was going to establish something. He's already been teaching them. He says in verse 17, Jesus answered and said unto them, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, not, not Peter is, the, is the, uh, the stone, not the rock. Jesus is the rock. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He, folks, God, Christ, when he came into this world, picked up the gauntlet of John the Baptist. He began a ministry. He began to, to, to preach and teach and establish the first church, the first Baptist church during his own personal ministry. And it was the reason for it is because it was God's plan to, to uh, save folks by his grace, baptize the converts, organize them into a local church. And he said and promised that institution at the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Ephesians 5 says, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Folks, Christ established a church to show a lost and dying world that Christ is the Lord. He is the only way of salvation. And God would call men out of that institution to go into all the world and preach uh, the gospel to every creature. A church is a called out, a, a, a called out visible assembly of baptized believers with a purpose. 
That is to preach the gospel of Christ to every creature, baptize the converts, to teach them to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord, to glorify Him in all things, then to send out called God-called men as missionaries to do the same thing throughout the world. And not just to win the lost, but to establish churches in those places that would continue on the gospel ministry even after the preacher's dead. The promise, if you will, of God is upon, the promise of the perpetuity of the gospel ministry is given to a church and not a man or even a group of men. It's given to his church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 27. 1 Corinthians 12 and 27. <clears throat> Paul writing to the church at Corinth. You'll find that in 1, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 and what have you. But he says here in verse 27, Now ye are the body of Christ. It's on the church at Corinth. He had been involved in establishing this church by preaching the gospel baptizing the converts and organizing them under the authority of the church at Antioch to establish a church there in Corinth. Now you're the uh, body of Christ and members in particular, particular, and God has set some of the church first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, etc. The first members of the first church were the apostles, and then God established others. Others were saved by the grace of God. We know in Acts 1, there were 120 members. In this particular location in Corinth, there was a local New Testament Baptist church. And Paul wrote to them and said, you're members in particular of that church. Now, those who are saved, baptized members of this church are members in particular of this church, and we have a purpose given to God's all of God's churches. We have a purpose to reach out to a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you, as a member of this church, need to take it personally. It's not just for the preacher or the pastor or preachers. It's for every member in particular. If you will, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> In context with speaking of Christ, well, I guess we'll read the context. Giving thanks unto the Father, verse 12, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. He's talking about Christ. He's the image of the invisible God. He is the creator. Before by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Verse 17, verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. Which is, who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Folks, the New Testament Baptist Church is to lift up Jesus Christ. And as we lift him up with our preaching, with our personal lives, our personal testimony, the Bible says that God will draw all men unto him. Our purpose is to reach a lost and dying world. God's plan for that is through preaching found in the, in, in the house of God, found uh, coming sometimes from you. It doesn't mean that God calls women to preach, but he does call you as a member of this church 
to reach out to people. Now listen, reach out to people that you're going to have contact with. People that I may not have contact with. I can't have contact with everybody in, in town. But you may have a particular job or you may have a, uh, some things that you do personally that you're going to have access to people. You're going to have the, the ability and, and the privilege and, the, and God would use you to reach out to these folk and tell them that Jesus is mighty to save and loves them and wants to save them. See, a, a body is more than just one man. A body is made up of many believers with the same purpose of reaching out to a lost and dying world. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, and Christ is our head. He is our leader. He is the one that has commissioned us, if you will, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In 1 Timothy 3, looking at verse 14, Paul writing to Timothy, you know, he's, these are his parting letters to Timothy. He's going to be offered, he's going to die for the Lord. After, listen, after having finished his course, these things, verse 14, write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, you know, you can't behave yourself in something that's universal and invisible. You behave yourself in the house of God, which is a local, visible assembly of baptized believers for a purpose. Now, if we came in together and met in this place and everybody was unruly and carrying on and being crazy like Chloe, I mean, you know, who knows what we would, what kind of reputation we might have. But the reality is, is that when we come to the house of God, we do all things decently and in order, in an orderly fashion to the glory of God and the good of people that come in. We need to behave when we come. And not just when we're here, but when we're not here. Behave. You know, you know, my mom, I can remember those words, behave. And I heard them a lot because I had trouble behaving. <laughs> God would say to you as, as his child, as a Christian, behave. Not only here, but everywhere. Because we represent Christ and this body, this assembly. Because we're trying to help people to be saved. He says, Behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. If we don't behave, do you think anybody's going to listen to what we have to say? As it is, people struggle with listening to what we have to say. It's worse if we don't behave. It's worse if we don't behave. Behave like Christians. Amen? If we can behave like Christ, he says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. And if you will, Matthew 28. <clears throat> Let's remember our commission, our purpose for being. In Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The Great Commission was not given to just 11 apostles. They were the foundation of Christ's church that was in existence before the day of Pentecost, which numbered in Acts 1, before the day of Pentecost, 120. 120 members. And their, their numbers swelled to over uh, 20,000 in a very short time. And then God had to send persecution to get them out of Jerusalem to fulfill the Great Commission, to get the gospel to the rest of the entire world. And it's interesting that at the time that Christ came, the world was in one sense a Roman world. We had, they had one government, one language that was spoken. It was, it was the Koine Greek. The common Greek language was known throughout the world. And, you know, back then people were multilingual. They, they spoke many languages. <clears throat> and they had a road system that spanned the, the known world, built by the Romans. Now, God allowed Ro the Roman uh, Empire to grow. And you know what? Even in the face of some of the persecution that began with the Roman government, the gospel of Jesus Christ flourished. The gospel went forward. People were saved. Churches were established all over the world in the face of all of that, in the face of what looked like very little freedom. And the more they tried to stamp out the gospel and the, and the ministry of the local church, the greater it flourished. And you know what, folks? You, you know what? When Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against it, folks, we can look back and, and look through the dark ages and see that when the devil stirred up the religious world against the gospel and gospel preaching churches, that they could not stamp it out. History teaches us that God's word is true. Amen. I'm thankful that I'm on the Lord's side. And he is on our side. Amen? Oh, you're the, we, Baptist, the only one going to heaven? No. But if you don't believe, you won't go. The whole purpose is that men would believe, would, would trust Christ. And Christ alone for salvation. And Acts 13 and 1. Acts 13 and 1. <clears throat> Now there were in the church that was at Antioch. Now how in the world did they get a church in Antioch? Well, if you look back to Acts chapter 8, the Bible says that God sent a persecution because of Stephen's death upon the church. And God scattered the church everywhere. And the gospel was carried all over the world. And we find here in Antioch a church established because of that that was at Antioch, and certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein I have called them. And when, he had, uh, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. What is the, what is the purpose of a church? To send out God-called missionaries to go to places where the whole church can't go to and preach the gospel, baptize the converts, establish churches that can carry on the same work. Not only of winning the lost, but help, helping them to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. Folks, when we get saved by the grace of God, we're new creatures in Christ, we're babes in Christ, we have to grow up. God has a plan for the church, we won't look at all of it. 
But there is a purpose, the, one of the great, greatest and main purposes of reaching a lost and dying world. Do you know what? You're, if you're saved here today, in some way or other, it was because of the Lord's churches who have gone before. And the great commission given to the first church in Jerusalem. All of the, all of the churches that are uh, sound Bible-preaching Baptist churches have their, their spring from the fountain of Jerusalem and Christ's church in Jerusalem. And what gospel there has been and will continue to be will be carried oftentimes by the Baptist. Not only, but being a Baptist. Listen, the Baptists are not going to tell you you have to be a Baptist and be baptized as a Baptist to go to heaven. I have never said that and I never will. We have to be saved by the grace of God. We're saved through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question this morning. Are you saved? Are you saved? Folks, the most important thing we do when we gather together is consider Christ and the gospel and then the other things as well. But what we want to do is be sure that you're saved. You know, it it troubles me to no end to imagine that there are going to be people who have sat under my preaching maybe for years who will by their own choice by their own choice, die and go to hell. It's not what God wants. It's not what Christ died for. It's not what I want. And I would surely hope that you'd not be foolish enough to let it be what you want. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.